Is our God amazing and awesome? Is he high and is he holy? What an amazing God we serve. Go ahead and have a seat. Man, two amazing stories that we watched via video at all of our campuses this weekend. Over 5,000 people got to watch. Let me tell you what the church is. The church is a bunch of people that have the same story. A story that we were lost and we were found, a story that we were blind and now we see, a story that we were on our hell and we were t- on our way to hell and we were turned around and made to go on our way to heaven. And man, it just enjoying the journey on the way. Well, greetings, faith promise, whatever campus you're at, downtown UT, Anderson County, Campbell County, North Knox. Blount County Internet Campus, Pellissippi, whatever campus you're at, we're thrilled to have you in this service. It's been an amazing weekend already. We're in an unbelievable series called Co-Mission. By the way, last week we launched Anderson County and Campbell County campuses, broke all records, people were saved. It was a great weekend. North Knox is about to do a big outreach. Pellissippi, amen. Our... Uh, Blount County campus is going to add another service. I mean, God is blessing. It's a great time to be around, a a part of what God's doing. By the way, next weekend, if you missed last weekend, you don't know this, I'm about to inform you. Next weekend is what we call a gospel weekend, absolute simple gospel presentation, no frills, no fuss, no must, no bother, just simple gospel. And so it is the weekend that you have got to pull out all the stops and do whatever it takes. Do what? Do what? Whatever it takes. Whether you gotta, whether you gotta beg them, you gotta bribe them, you gotta drag them, you gotta drug them. Buy them lunch, buy them brunch, buy them breakfast, buy them supper before, after Saturday night service. Whatever it takes. Next weekend is the weekend to bring them. We're praying that we have a, that we bring all of us a thousand guests who need Jesus, and we're going to see the greatest single weekend of harvest that we have ever seen in the history of our church. Amen. Woo. All right, let's pray about that. God, we come to you now in the strong name of Jesus. And Father, we know that we do not have the power to save or heal or transform, but you do. And now, God, all across East Tennessee, we've got family and friends that are on their way to hell. They do not know you. They've never been born again. And God, you are, you, you're riding them on our hearts. You're, you're moving on them right now. So God, we pray the Holy Spirit that you would work on their hearts. You'd prepare them. You would draw them. And that God, next weekend, we would see our friends and family turn their life on the old life, turn their back on their old lives and turn their back and, and turn to Jesus. God, would you Prepare the ground as we tweet, as we harvest, as we do whatever we need to do. Get them here next weekend. We believe it. We receive it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people said, now I usually ask you to keep your phones put up, but if you want to pull your cell phone and text somebody right now, say, hey, listen, I'm praying about praying. I just got done praying for you. And I am, I'm, I need you to come to church with me next weekend. You just pull it out and do that because you, you are smart. This is a smart church. You can text and you can listen, because obviously I've seen you text and drive, so you can text and you can listen at the same time. And so now as we think about next weekend, I want to tell you what some of you are already thinking. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. Let me tell you what you're thinking. Hey, pastor, it's going to be a great weekend. It's going to rock, but you need to understand God can't use me. He can use other people. They're great people at Faith Promise, and God's going to use them, but you know, he just can't use me. Let me tell you that it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. 
And I'm about to give you a biblical illustration out of the life of Jesus to make sure that you get that it is a lie. Because we're going to look in John chapter 4 at what would be the most unlikely witness in all of the Bible. Man, this lady is unlikely that she would ever do anything for God, and she does an amazing work for the Lord. So let's, if you've got, if you've got a copy of the Word, turn to John 4.4, 4, or it'll be on the screen, or pull your iPad, your whatever you have electronically that you keep your Bible on. And let's read some long passages of Scripture, but we're going to read it together anyway. So start in verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria. So they came to a city of Samaria called Shikar, which is uh, near the palace of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were people of Jewish background who intermarried with the nations around that God said not to intermarry. And so the people of Israel hated the Samaritans. It was hyper-racism. It was as bad as anything you've ever seen in America. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. And this woman cannot even believe that this Jewish man is speaking with her. And I'm, tell, but I'm gonna tell you, see, once you get your heart broken by Jesus, you don't care about color. Are you with me? Come on, you don't care about red, yellow, black, and white. Now on Saturday, maybe orange or red, you care about that color. And if you care about orange, you're in mourning this weekend. Uh, and I, I listen, hey, wear it anyway. Oh, come on, wear it anyway. Wear it anyway. Because some of you are wearing your team, and your team's going to win this year. We'll get you next. But, you know, come on. Let's, and, so, and so Jesus is talking to this woman. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you had known the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you the living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with the well, and the well is deep. Then where do you get the living water? Would you, would you agree this woman's clueless? about what Jesus is talking about. I want you to watch the transformation as we read the story. As her eyes begin to open, what happens to her? Wait, wait, wait. You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself, his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, Give me this water so that I will not become thirsty or come all this way to the well. Does she get it? She's thinking God's going, Jesus is going to give her water and she just won't thirst again. It just some, she's thinking natural and he's talking spiritual. She's still clueless, right? I mean, just, she's clueless. And Jesus, look at this, verse 16. This is so cool. Jesus said, hey, go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, oh, you said correctly, you have no husband for you've had five husbands. And the dude you're living with now is not your husband. Now, do you talk about feeling like a loser? <laughs> Listen, she's a woman in a man's world. And you think women are, are, are discriminated against today. Women were chattel in this day to be bought and sold. They had no voice, no authority. So here's a woman who has been punished to the curb by five husbands and she's shacking up. 
She is a shun- she's shunned. She's got a capital L on her forehead. She feels like absolute the loser. Some of the re- one of the reasons some of you don't think God can use you is because you feel like a loser because you believe the lies of the devil. You're not a loser. You're made in the image of God, and God loves you, and he wants to save you, and he wants to use you in a radical, supernatural way. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Duh. Now, she's getting brilliant here. She's having a flash of brilliance because here's a woman now. Now, her eyes are beginning to open. Jesus has just read her mail. He's never met her. He says, okay, been married five times, pun of the curb. He's shacking up, tells her all the things she's ever done. We only get the bullets point. Jesus, the woman said, you're a prophet. Our, and this is, what, this is what she said. Our fathers worshiped in this mount, at this mountain, and you people said the truth in this place you ought to worship. Now, if you're going to engage people to connect them with God, or you, if you're listening, say I am. If you're going to engage people and invite them to church and invite them into the kingdom of God, they'll always automatically respond with the debate. Did Adam have a belly button? You know. Well, did he? And, and, you know, if God can do anything, can God make a rock so big he can't lift it? And they'll ask questions to get you off track. She didn't even realize she was trying to, listen, you don't get the hound of heaven, you don't get Jesus off track. You don't get it. You don't get him off track. And Jesus said in verse 21, woman, believe me, an hour's coming, and neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, for we worship what we know, uh, for we, uh, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father, the Spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be as worshipers. Are we worshipers? Yes. Listen. You got, got to get, come on, man. Listen, every corporate time we get together ought to be a radical, supernatural celebration event for our God. Amen? This is what we ought to do. And, and for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, listen, now she's getting it. Watch this question. Look here. This is cool. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. You think God's not preparing her heart? I know the Messiah is coming. Uh, and the one who is called the Christ When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came. Now I want you to see, was the woman clueless? So were the boys, his peeps, his homies, his gang, the dudes. I mean, these guys who walk with Jesus every day, they're dumb as a stick too. I want you, you, so, so the disciples show up and they were amazed that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot. I Listen, I wish I had time to deal with that. We could take 30 minutes on her leaving her water pot. So she left her water pot, and she went to the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things I've done in my life. This is not the Christ, is he? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, meanwhile, all this is going on. The disciples, dummies, don't get it. They're clueless. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him and saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? What's going on? I mean, these guys are clueless. They woke up in a brand new world every single day. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do, not say, do you not say that yet four months, behold, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields. They are white for the harvest. Already he, he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternity. So that he who sows, he who reaps, may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, you've entered into their labor. For the city, 
From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things I've done. So the Samaritans came to Jesus, were asking him to stay with them. He stayed two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they, they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, or be, for we have heard for ourselves and know that the, this one is the Savior of the world. That is just such a cool story. And you say, God cannot use me. Let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say I am. How long had the woman known Jesus? How long? Five minutes? 30? Hour tops. When you say? Hour tops. Had she gone to seminary? Had she been baptized? Had she taken a deeper life discipleship course? What had she done? Met Jesus. That was it. And she got involved immediately. Listen, immediately she got involved in the co-mission Matthew 28, Jesus hadn't even written it yet, and yet she got into it. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you along with you always, even to the end of the age. And this woman is out already doing it. What I love about Faith Promise, listen, if you're a visitor, man, we're so thrilled to guess. We're thrilled that you're with us, but can I tell you what I love about it? This is the biggest bunch of ragtag, most unbelievable witnesses I've ever seen anywhere. Would y'all agree with that? Man, listen. I mean, look at your neighbor and say, could God use you? No, don't say that. Listen, Mimi, this is just a ragtag bunch of people that believe that God can use us. I mean, starting with me, ex-drug addict, ex-dope dealer, whoremonger. I'm talking about digging my way to hell and get saved and God uses me. And man, God uses, listen, We've got people that are CEOs, they own businesses. We have people that, that have thousands of employees. We've got doctors and dentists and day laborers. We've got construction workers and teachers. We've got people that are employed and we've got people that are unemployed. We've got folks that have religious or faith backgrounds and we have people like me that had no kind of faith background. We've got all this. Well, let me tell you what we got today. We have thousands of Christ followers. Any Christ followers in the house this weekend? All right. Right. Let me tell you what Jesus said to us in Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be, not might be, not think about it. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that us? We're supposed to be walking billboards, man. Neon, baby, pointing to heaven. I don't know about you, I got to say 32 years ago, and I'm still excited about it and have not gotten over it since. If you got over meeting Jesus, you didn't meet the Jesus I met. Are you with me? Come on. So this is the deal. Our lives are to point to him. But let me tell you where most of us are in this co-mission deal. Are you ready? We're like the disciples. We are utterly clueless. And I'm, I'm going to show you. Are you ready? So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be a witness? All right, 12 of you. Do you want to be a witness? Yes. All right, this is the deal. We've got to get harvesting. We've got to get moving. We've got to get connecting. So let me pull four truths from this text. Four truths from, from Jesus and from this lady and from these guys. Number one, you're already in the harvest field. Right now, you're already in the field. Let me give you one of the most awesome things about this story is, is the picture that we have Starting in verse 35, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are white unto harvest. Now, what's going on? 
that Jesus has talked to the woman. She's gone to the city. She's told all the elders and the men at the gate, they've grabbed people, and they're heading their way. He said, you think four months, because the harvest field was planted, but it had not yet grown up to be ripe. And so Jesus looks at the field, and the disciples, he said, you guys say four months? And coming across that field from Shikar, we don't know how many people. Dozens, hundreds, thousands, we don't know, but they're coming dressed in white, white turbans, flowing, and they're making their way to Jesus. And Jesus says to the disciples, look at the fields, boys. They're white under harvest. Look, it's coming. They're right there. Now, the problem is this. The disciples didn't want to be there. It says in verse 4, and they had to go through Samaria. Now, I want you to get this. Listen. You're listening to Sam. Some of you hate your job. Some of you hate your neighbors. Some of you hate your classmates. Some of you look at your life and you don't want to be there. Does that make sense? I mean, if you're single, you want to be married. Some of you are married, you want to be single. Are you with, are you with me? Some of you are in school, can't wait till you graduate. Others of you want to go back to school. Some of you are working, wish you had another job. Others of you are not working, wish you had a job. And see, this is the deal. Many of us are in a place that we don't want to be. And when you're in a place you don't want to be, you miss the harvest field. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, some of you, if I were to sit down and drink a cup of coffee, you'd say, hey, my job. You can't believe these idiots I work with. If you'd win them to Jesus, it'd be better. They'd be nicer. And you'd like them then. So instead of asking God to send you to another job that you'll hate, because you hated the last one too, there's a pattern. And so instead of, instead of just saying, I hate where I'm at, say, God, I'm in the middle of a harvest field. Use me. Let me be salt and light, and let me see you change these people. See, the problem with the disciples, th- these guys were focused on their own agenda. Hey, who gave Jesus lunch? What are we going to eat? Where's supper? Where are we going next? Where are we going to sleep tonight? Where's the next crusade? what Jesus is going to do. Hey, I'm better than you know. I'll be the greatest. Hey, Lord, let us sit on your right and your left hand. There, you see how they're bogged down in all these details? Is that where we are? I know you're out there. I hear you breathing. See, that's where we are. We're bogged down with all this stuff, and the masses of humanity are marching past us on their way to hell every day. We don't see them just like the disciples didn't see the harvest field because we are so consumed with my problems and my pain and my job and homework and the kids and mowing the yard and washing the car and somebody's got to clean the house and the commode stopped up and the dog crapped in the living room and and, and somebody's got to clean the kitty litter box out because it smells like, you know, eight shades of hell and we got all this going on. And we're, y'all know what I'm talking about? And so we got all this rolling on us, and humanity is walking past us on the way to hell every day. We said, dear God, help me. I'm in all this trouble. Lost, going to hell. Oh, Lord, it's so hard here. Lost, going to hell. Does this make sense? This is where the church is, isn't it, in America? Guess what, faith promise? It's where most of us are, too. It's, it's where we are. Number one, you're already in the field. Number two, the field is ripe. No, pastor. Not where I'm at, not my neighbors and my coworkers and my classmates, not where I'm at. Let me give you a, a recent survey that was taken. This is a survey, just random people in America. So out of a, I'm going to give you out of 100 people, these are the people that you know and people you live with and you work with. Out of an average 100 people, three are grieving the loss of a loved one. Seven out of the 100 are struggling with depression and, and are considering suicide. 
Seven people out of 100 people that you know. 14 out of the 100 are crippled by fear or anxiety. Eight are struggling with the loss of a job. Seven are addicted to drugs or alcohol. And 60 do not profess to be born again. See, you're living in the harvest field. It's white. The disciples said, what? What? Come on. What about lunch? Look, boys, the harvest field is white. So let's look, look back at this. I mean, of the three that are grieving, did, did God say, I will be a father to the, to the fatherless and I'll be a husband to the widow? Did he not say, I'll give you joy and victory in the midst? To the seven people that are struggling with some kind of depression or suicide, did he not say, I have the power to set the captives free? Did he not say, I'll give you joy and victory and peace unspeakable? To the 14 that are filled by fear, are filled with fear and anxiety, did he not say, fear not, for I am with you, I'll be with you even to the end of the age? Did, did he not say that I'm an overcomer and by faith you'll be an overcomer? Did he not say the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you? Did he not say in Ephesians 3.20, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think or imagine? He will take away your fear and give you faith. He'll take away your anxiety and give you awesomeness, and he will transform your life into something supernatural. My goodness. Eight people, eight people out of 100 have lost a job. You know what? God said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He said, in Philippians, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. It's not the government's job. It's not the place you work's job. It's not somebody you hope that your investments will pay off. God said, I'll supply every single one of your needs according to my riches. He is Jehovah Jireh. Seven, seven are addicted. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. Amen. People who are snorting, people who are shooting, people who are, who are bonging it, people who are in some, you know, drinking it, people who are huffing it, people who are doing something because their lives, they see no hope. People get involved in drugs because of their friends and because it looks fun, and then all of a sudden their lives are trapped in devastation and anxiety and hell and horror. And the best thing they know how to do is just cop another buzz. Well, I'm telling you, our God said, I'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. Our God says that I'll give you a purpose. I'll give you joy the world doesn't know about. Listen, man, I have slammed needles in my arm, and I have had the freight train and rush of shooting up cocaine. But let me tell you what, man, the rush of Jesus, of being filled with the Spirit of God, of walking in an open heaven, of knowing God is greater than any buzz the world will ever give. Come on. Yeah. Woo! And then 60 of the people that you know are lost. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, the harvest field is wide around you. And most people that you know around you are struggling. If you will speak Jesus, who has the answer into their pain, he'll draw them to himself. Come unto me, all you that are labored and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Number three, are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number three is huge. His kingdom first. His kingdom first. Whose kingdom first? Say it with me. His kingdom first. Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. What are the other things? Houses and cars and food and clothes. All the things you worry about that you don't think that, man, you're worried if you're going. The Bible says, I will provide all that for you. I'll provide according to my riches in glory. So this is the truth that we walk with. Care for his kingdom, and he'll care for yours. Are you with me? Care for his kingdom, and he'll care for your kingdom. You put him first, and he will take care of you. Do y'all believe that? So, listen, Neil, listen. 
If you will see the harvest that you're in it and it's ripe, it will transform your life and send you to a supernatural, exponential joy and victory that you never knew. See, when you begin to realize that you're on commission with God and God has placed you in a harvest field and you begin to interact with that harvest field, a supernatural element begins to happen. Your eyes begin to be open, your ears more in tune to the voice of God, you see more into the word of God, your faith begins to grow, your boldness begins to go, Acts 1, 8, and when you have received power of the Holy Spirit, you will be my disciples. Listen, man, you have vision and your purpose increases Amen. Your life begins to take on a whole new meaning, and you're still at that job that sucks, and your neighbor's dog is still crapping in your yard, but your life is rocking. Why? Because your eyes are open. Amen. Somebody praise him in the house. Woo! My goodness. See, the problem is this. Most believers live mundane, average, common lives. Consume with their self, consume with their problems, is narcissistic and mundane. And you say, but the Bible says I'm supposed to have all this joy. Get your eyes off your stuff. Get your eyes on the harvest field, and you will not believe how cool it'll get. You won't believe how cool it'll get. Does that make sense? One more. Are you ready? You're not listening fast enough. Come on. One more. Samaria was never the same. Samaria, you don't, oh, you don't believe that? Well, let me just show you right here in the Bible. Verse 39, from the city, me, the Samaritans believed him because of the word of the woman. <laughs> Loser. Wasn't even our name. Put it to the curb. Hated and mocked and made fun of. Many of the Samaritans in that city believed because of the word of the woman. He told me all the things that I've done. Listen, he, she didn't take a soul winning class. She didn't get an online theological degree. She just went and told people what Jesus did. That's all she did. The Samaritans came to Jesus. They asked him to stay with them two more days, and he stayed two days, and many more believed because of his word. The city was never the same because of this one absolutely woman who never should have been used by God, who should have been left unnamed. 21 centuries later, we're all sitting here talking about her. Why? Because she got on co-mission. And this co-mission is God's plan for you. And should you choose to accept this mission, it will transform your life into something radical. But the tape will self-destruct in five seconds. But you choose to get on this path, and it will rock your world. You'll live a life that will last forever. It'll open up things that you never dreamed. Holy God, Father, would you take the power of the Spirit of God, and would you seal this message on our hearts? God, I pray that you would give us such a burning burden that will get us out of our lazy boys. It will get us off of our dead-end lives. And, God, I pray that, that we will get so burdened that we'll do whatever it takes to bring our family, to bring our friends, not just next weekend, but every weekend. I pray, God, every time we come together, people are saved, their lives are changed. Holy God, would you write in our hearts? Lord, take the top ten list that we have in the seats and use us, God. Give us names of people that you want us to care for, to pray for, and to bring Lord, let us fill those top 10 out. Put them in our Bibles and pray for them, God. Radicalize us, supernaturalize us, God. I pray that you move in spirit, power, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, somebody, come on and help me in the house this weekend. Hey, God, this preaching's hard. I'm out of shape. Don't tell my doctor he'll be mad. Now, we're going to take a, an immediate right-hand turn here. Sermon's over, okay? We're going to do, if you were here last weekend, what we did last weekend. 
We have 94 new adult groups. These people aren't leaving. They're going to get ready for you. Don't freak out. House is not burning. You're good. So this is the deal. We have 94 new adult groups because we knew, because we're moving into a new series in two weekends, next weekend, the gospel weekend. After that, we, we start a new series called Normal, and we'll have small group curriculum. Michelle and I videoed all the stories you've been watching the last few weeks are in those, the, the whole stories are in the curriculum, and it is going to rock. It's going to be amazing, but it'll all be done in groups, and so that's coming up in, in a couple weeks. Now, Last, I mean, last weekend we give, gave people an opportunity to go sign up. This is the deal. When Jesus sent people out, did he send them out alone? Never. Two by two is minimum. Christianity is, is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. It's not golf you can do by yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a football. It, it, takes, it takes a team. And we need people to do it. So in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get up and go out to the satellite if you're at the Pellissippi campus and sign up for a group. Now, let me give you an illustration. Some of you have heard this story. Several years ago, Jim and Martha Lutz called me, and they saw this old Corvette on the side of the roads, a 1956 Corvette. It was rough. In case you don't know, that's rough. Fred Flintstone, I'm pretty sure, drove this car. And I bought it because I wanted a project for me and my two sons to build a hot rod, and we were going to work on this car together, and, man, it was going to be this great Team Stevens. You know, it didn't take long. Both of them bailed like girls, sissies. <laughs> pathetic. Well, then the project got a lot more than I thought about. It got way beyond my knowledge, and it got way outside of, you know, we take it apart. Now we're going to rebuild it into this perfect 66 Corvette. So the only thing I could do was call my friends, Wayne Brooks and Larry Petrowski and Mike Stevens. And, 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 and so we, we started working on this together. They did projects, and I did projects. And we had a blast. I'm going to tell you, it was, it was so much fun. There were times when it was hard. Now, and I had this little rage issue. I know you find that so hard to believe, but I had this little rage issue. And so I'd be working on something that wouldn't work, and I would throw a tool down and yell, and I wouldn't cuss. But, you know, I did Christian cussing. And so I would throw it down and shoot and dang. And, and so, man, I'm mad. I walk around. Then my phone ring. I pick it up and say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and they called me a hypocrite. Well, what did you mean say? Shut up. Wham. No. So. But it was this small group, we got together, and we worked, and, man, we worked together, and it was a project. And at the end, at the end, this is what it looked like. It was. We took this car to the largest Corvette show in America uh, in a few months after this. The biggest, I mean, thousands of Corvettes, absolutely the best-looking car at the entire show. People came by, they put pictures in all kind of stuff, and, and it, was, it was an amazing deal. Let me tell you, if I was still alone, it'd still be in parts. Because, see, it was too big for me. It took a small group. Your life, all of our lives, are in some shape, form, or fashion of restoration, aren't they? Some of you feel like, man, you're in 20 different parts in the garage. Others of you feel like, hey, I just need a little tweaking. I see God to do a little bit. Man, we're all, and listen, you were never intended to do it by yourself. You need discipleship, accountability. You need love. You need people around you. That's called a small group. And I will ever be grateful. And, man, those, those guys that, let me tell you, those guys that helped on that car are still today. That happened over a decade ago. They are still some of the best friends that I have because we sit out together and laughed and, we work together, and we build relationships. And that's what God wants to do is we build our lives as God builds them from the Word of God. So in just a minute, I'm gonna, we're going to stand in worship. I'm going to release you. 
If you need a group, now some of you left last weekend and there were so many people that left out of this service that maybe you didn't get connected or you didn't find anything and there are a bunch of new leaders and new stuff going on over there. And so, and so in just a minute, I'm going to release you. We're going to worship. Go over there. They're more, how I would do it is I would pick the table that has the best food because I think that's spiritual. Chuck Karen's and I believe that, you know, food is the gateway. And so, but, but get to go over and, and, and while we're worshiping and find a group. Maybe you went last week, didn't find one, you got lost in the shuffle. Maybe you didn't sign up for one because you just walked through, looked good, and you tried to beat everybody to the parking lot. We're watching, we know. We have you on video, we're showing you next weekend. And so, but, but if, once you want to give you an opportunity. Now, I'm going to say one more thing before you do. There are cards like this that have all the campuses and all the worship times. They're at all the doors when we leave in a few minutes, and you can outside and you can pick those up. Let's stand. And as we stand, if you need to find a group, go that way. If you would, just, just work your way that way. Just go ahead and make your way out right now. Make your way out. Come on, Faith Promise, let's get my hand and say, get out, let's roll.